0: Welcome back to I'm Open. Today we're going to be talking about burner Twitter accounts, spreading germs through smooching, and Disney World. All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open. Welcome back, I'm Open Family. Now, as I warned you guys, as I promised, the Kansas City Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl. I'm not really a betting guy myself, but if any of you guys are, and you didn't listen to me, you missed your chance. I even told you Pat Mahomes was going to be the MVP, and um, I was right. But that's, that's not what this show is about. We're always looking for what's interesting about sports. Everybody's talking about the Super Bowl. Everybody's talking about how the Chiefs beat the Niners. We all know that happened. Was it an epic collapse by the Niners? Was it an epic comeback for the Chiefs? I'll let you go listen to another podcast if you want to figure the answer to that one out. But what I really wanted to get into right here first off the bat is the, the trophy. The trophy that they get. Now, I don't have any problem with the design of the trophy. I think it's nice that they get uh, a trophy to hold up and it's a it's symbolic, obviously, of their achievement. But you know, as I was watching the celebration by the Chiefs all passing it around on stage and hugging and stuff, and and you can't help but notice one after the other, they all grab the trophy, pick it up, and, and they smooch they smooch it. They give it a big old sloppy and wet uh, smooch on the trophy. Some of them Look like they might have used a little bit of tongue. I, You know, we're going to have to go back and really slow down the tape. Um, I'm sure Travis Kelsey used tongue. Um, and I don't think Pat Mahomes has ever used tongue in his life. So it's probably some... It's a, it's a range in between those two guys there. But everybody gets a chance to hold and smoosh the trophy. And it, you know, just got me, um, you know, wondering about germs. About germs. Now... Think of how many guys, there's about 47 guys on a football team, plus all the coaches, and plus there's guys who are injured, who still get to be there to celebrate, guys who didn't play, guys who didn't dress, who still get to be there with the team, right? So that adds up to, to even you know more than more than 50 guys. No, they've all just been running around, sweating, um, falling on the ground, getting dirt on themselves, sometimes sneezing or snotting it onto their hands maybe or maybe even getting some blood on their hands who knows what happened I mean who knows what really goes on under those piles there on the football field so that the look I understand in that moment of just elation pure pure elation with your team with your brothers you've worked so hard you've worked your whole season and your whole life to get ready for this moment now to be able to share that with each other but um I don't know you know, especially today, and I'm not trying to get all, all morbid here and dark, but especially today in the in the days of the coronavirus. I mean, it was just a couple weeks ago where Corona was telling us to find your beach, and now, you know, coronavirus is finding you before you even have a chance to find your fucking beach out here. It's serious. And yet all these guys are passing, passing, passing around this trophy. Everybody puts their lips and mouth on the same exact trophy. You know, like, guy. you know, some guys are weird about sharing cups and make you waterfall. Like, if somebody's got, like, a little Arizona iced tea they picked up on the way home, preferably the Arnold Palmer variety or, or, or watermelon, two, two, two of my favorites. But, uh, you know, even that sometimes, you know, people will be like, hey, man, will you just waterfall uh, this Arizona or this Gatorade because I don't want your lips touching. But look, I understand. I understand here. I'm not trying to conflate or connect. An Arizona iced tea, to the Lombardi Trophy. I am not trying to say that one is equal to the other, but I'm just saying, you know, you wouldn't let me put your lips, you wouldn't let me put my my lips, uh, on your beverage, or or something. And I know it's, I know it's, I know it's different. But I'm just trying to say that there's so many guys here, all putting their lips and saliva on the same piece of metal, and then as it goes as it get passed around you start to see sort of the little, the saliva marks, the little hand marks, from everybody passed it around, everybody hugs it, everybody kisses it, everybody holds it up. So, I mean, you might be kissing where somebody else kissed, or you might be kissing where somebody's hand was. And honestly, that's probably worse than the kiss. I mean, kissing somebody else, I mean, you might get a little germ, you might get a little saliva, but people kiss each other all the time. But, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want to lick somebody else's fingers, um, I mean, maybe a special someone else, but uh, for the most part, if for your coworkers, you know, while you wouldn't want to kiss them on the mouth, you equally, or maybe ex- maybe exceeding equally, would not want to lick or suck on their fingers. And I know we're really getting deep in the weeds here, but I do. It's it's just distracting, and maybe it's because my team was not in or anywhere close to the Super Bowl, so you can start to focus on these kind of smaller details in, in different, you know, aspects of, of the game, different things that stand out. And, you know, we had some real germaphobes out there in the I'm Open family around the world. Thank you guys for expressing your concern and asking asking me about, about that tradition, and about the trophy kissing, and, you know, it really is something that happens... It seems like in every sport, so it's hard to really trace trace the history of trophy kissing. You can understand why they do it. I don't think we need to go deep anthropologically or culturally into why they would kiss the trophy. I think it makes sense, but you do have to wonder about the types of germs that are getting spread around on that evening. And then, you know, the trophy comes with them on the bus. They all carry it. They sleep on it. They all They all kiss it. But, you know, if you're Pat Mahomes, if you're first getting that trophy or Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, uh, Coach Andy Reid, you know, those first couple guys getting the trophy, you're okay. Like, you can still find a, a part of the trophy that hasn't been smooched. You can still find, like, a nice clean, maybe clean little sector of a trophy, right? It's like signing a birthday card for somebody in the office. Where everybody signs like cheers, happy birthday, you're the best, hope you have a great year. And then eventually, there starts to be less and less space to sign and and write your message. And the later you are to show up and sign your colleague's birthday card, you know, the less likely you are to have space to really write a full, really thoughtful message because so many people have written. And then by the end, you can just say, cheers, Rob. And that's that's all you really got, Right. And it's like the same thing with the trophy, but the difference would be that it's not a pen, it's your mouth. And that is the main difference. And obviously the trophy is not a birthday card, but as you go, right, you can go, you get past, even if Pat Mahomes already has smooched it with his very tightly pursed lips, giving it a very nice uh kiss that would be, you know, family friendly. And then even if Andy Reid, you know, rubs his big old walrus mustache all over it, you know, you can still probably find... Some little safe spots there on the trophy that haven't been smooched and licked and slobbered on by by your coworkers. But then once you're getting down the line, once they get to McCole Hardman and Darren Lee and LaShawn McCoy, right? These guys who not that they're not good players, but they're not gonna be the first ones passing the trophy, then you're really looking deep for a place to 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 kiss on the trophy. You really have to kind of scour and see where there's a spot for you. And I guess you could use like those little towels they have. They do have those little towels with the Gatorade logo on them usually. So I guess you could use a little towel, but it almost feels weird. I guess it would be kind of like when, when you shake somebody's hand, that's like a little moist, and then you rub it off on your pants. It's not necessarily like a diss to them. It's just a natural reaction to having moisture on your hand. But it still kind of hurts and is offensive to that person whose hand you've shaken. And I do think, not that not that... Teams would, where players would probably be offended that you, um, don't want to kiss where they kissed, but it is like a little weird. Like, hey man, we just won the Super Bowl. Get into it, man. Just put your old lip on this thing and smooch the Lombardi, man. You just won the Super Bowl. Like, look, hey, if I won the Super Bowl, I'm sure I would, I would probably smooch it. You know, just, I would just smooch it straight up. I don't think I would really hold back. But I'm also not the biggest germ guy. I'm not that big into germs. I'm not, you know, not that I don't think they're real. Um, I just, I have a very strong immune system and I've been, knock on wood, I've been blessed by that. And I just, I wouldn't be that concerned about it. But for some of the guys out there who maybe do have a weaker immune system who are concerned about germs passing, you know, back and forth, that could be a big concern. So if we do have, you know, any germaphobes on the team you know, I understand that you might not want everybody to know it was you, your identity, so we can do the whole voice changey system and so nobody knows. But, um, you know, your story deserves to be told too. And you got to think, um, well, it's got to be hard to be a germ germaphobe playing football anyway, just considering all the swapping of, of sweat and dirt and, and everything. But that's got to be hard. If there are a couple guys on the team who are really, really into cleanliness, and then, I mean, you might be sixth to pick up the... Trophy, you might be forty sixth, and are you going to be the the weird guy who decides not to kiss the trophy because you you know you just won the Super Bowl, but you decide not to kiss the trophy because you know you're forty sixth in line and there's no clean spots left on the trophy. I'd be curious about what was going through these guys' heads in this moment. So congratulations again to the Chiefs to Andy Reid. He's been coaching, uh, he's been a head coach for twenty one years. This is his second time in the Super Bowl, and he's finally got his first trophy after a long time and. uh He's a sweet man. He looks like a walrus, uh, so everybody's happy for him there. You're listening to I'm Open. Don't forget to give us a rating, write us a review, and tell a friend to listen to the show. Congrats also to the Niners for having an awesome season. I mean, it really is an incredible story. The Niners went from last year winning only four games to this year, making it all the way to the Super Bowl and, you know, having a great performance there once they got there. So they have a lot to be proud of. And I think they definitely agree with me because rather than sulk and cry and whine and complain after the Super Bowl, I mean, I'm sure they did some of that behind the scenes, but. These guys had a huge party. They were in Miami, one of the capitals of parties around the world. And they knew they they were having an opportunity they couldn't pass up to turn up in Miami with their brothers, their teammates, and everybody in that organization who'd worked so hard to get them to this point. So they had an awesome Super Bowl bash even after they lost the game. Now, it seemed like the team had already arranged this because win or lose – this would have been hard to just set up in a moment's notice. So it seemed like they had just made up their mind. We're turning up win or lose. They had Lil Wayne and baby, both live performing at their Super Bowl after party. You know, they lost. It was brutal. It was heartbreaking, especially when they had a big lead, uh, you know, late in, you know, in the third quarter. And it seemed like they had a great chance to actually win the game, to be Super Bowl champions. And I'm sure it was a letdown. But that night... They got to go out and they got to celebrate all their accomplishments with a live private concert from Lil Wayne and Baby two legends. One classic legend of the game and one up-and-coming young star. Pretty awesome. Pretty great to do that for the guys, by the team. Pretty generous of the team to set that up for the guys. And they deserve it for having such an awesome season. But I don't know. Like, I just feel like if I was at that party, I would have had kind of a hard time enjoying myself I know it's fun I know they're all brothers I know they all feel really close with one another they've been through a lot together and they've accomplished a lot together they deserve to be celebrated but I feel like in the immediate aftermath of one of the probably most heartbreaking moments of their life and that's why the Super Bowl is kind of so special and so scary in a way too because this is a chance to make a name for yourself and have people remember you forever. I mean, people still remember the name David Tyree, and he basically never really played very much at all for the Giants, but made that one crazy catch off of his helmet and never made another catch again. But when you make a play like that, people kind of remember you for life based on the Super Bowl, and it goes the same the other way. If you really fuck up or really do something stupid in the Super Bowl, The magnifying glass is on you. The spotlight is on you. And, you know, as everybody knows, when you put a spotlight through a magnifying glass, it uh, it causes a fire. It's flammable. So you can get cooked. You can get burnt to a crisp in the spotlight of the Super Bowl if you're not ready for it. And I'm not saying the Niners weren't ready for it, but I think you have to know. That's why it's such an intense moment. Yeah, it can be the best day of your life, but it can also, in a way be one of the biggest regrets of your life. And I know a lot of these stars on the San Francisco 49ers are already looking back, already wondering, thinking, what could I have done differently? What could I do better next time? And that's not something that just leaves you in a couple minutes when you go start throwing back uh, Millers. So if it was me, I would have gone to the party. I wouldn't have just skipped out on it, but I might have just been in the corner just moping and drinking away my sorrows. And I'm not trying to like propose or support alcoholism on this podcast. That's definitely not what we do here. But it's just, I don't know if I would be in the turn up mood after such a devastating loss. I mean, I think it is a great gesture in terms of, you know what, win or lose, you made it to the Super Bowl. You're two of the top 32 teams. They had an incredible season. They deserve to be celebrated regardless. A lot of players never make the Super Bowl in their life. A lot of players only make it one time in their life. So you shouldn't now feel like a failure. Even though they came up a little bit short on the biggest stage, you shouldn't feel like, well, this whole thing was a waste. This whole thing was a a failure. Of course not. But I just, I don't know if I'd be in such a party mood. And I I grew up listening to, to Wayne, to Baby. I love his music. Um, I would have been so fired up to be at a concert featuring those two guys. You're in Miami, beautiful weather, beautiful people, beach, nightclubs, nightlife, all your best friends, all your teammates, all your families. It's an awesome, awesome moment and they deserve to take the, take advantage of it, make the most of it. But it's just gotta be hard to just flip the switch into that party and social mood when you've just had like one of the most devastating losses of your life. It's really hard. And, There is a sort of tradition or pattern of teams who lose in the Super Bowl really struggling the following season and failing to keep up, you know, those expectations. The Rams last year lost in the Super Bowl. They failed to make the playoffs the following year. Um, A couple years ago, the Falcons lost in the Super Bowl. They haven't really been the same since. So losing in the Super Bowl can really be a big blow to a team. As much as winning the Super Bowl can really propel you forward and and create a lasting legacy so I guess you know my hope is that the the Niners they have a great team and they have a great core of their team they have a lot of young guys who are going to be there for a while so I hope they can rebound from this and I hope they use that that bond they have that love that they have for one another another they still wanted to party with each other they still wanted to celebrate even though they lost the Super Bowl so I hope they use that love and that camaraderie they have for one another to rally and say hey let's get back there again and let's make it count this time. Let's really have the party be a fun party this time cuz I'm sure it was still awesome. Like eventually, once you start bopping with the baby, you are going to be like, "Okay, this party is fun. This party is fucking fun." Okay, once Weezy starts doing Fireman, you're going to you're going to admit like, "All right, this party is pretty sick." Even though I'm sad. This party sick. Right? But I think imagine how much more lit it would be how much more fun they would have had if they had actually won the game. So hopefully they give them a little taste so they can work even harder, be even better, band together, and get back the next year to really party it out the right way. But shout out to the Niners organization for still, you know, giving these, throwing these guys and their families an awesome party and giving them the credit they deserve. Because a lot of times we put so much pressure on winning and being first and getting the gold medal, getting the trophy, winning championships. Obviously. That is why, you know, that is the ultimate goal of sports. That's the ultimate goal of every athlete. But that's not the only goal. There's also building bonds with teammates, making yourself a better person and a better athlete working every day to get better on your, to hone your skills. And those are things that still deserve to be celebrated. And I don't think it's wrong to celebrate being second or even being third or fourth or fifth because it's really fucking hard to get to that level. There's a lot of guys who never make the Super Bowl. There's even more guys that never even make the NFL, obviously. all right. And there's so many high school players that wish they could play in college that aren't even good enough to play in college. So when you think of that, you are really at the cream of the cream of the cream of the crop if you are playing in the Super Bowl. You are at the pinnacle, and just that deserves to be celebrated. So congrats to the Niners again for the valiant effort. Of course, congrats to the Chiefs. And shout out to the Niners ownership for for kind of being level-headed about this one and 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 still recognizing that these guys deserve a party these guys deserve a celebration even though they lost that's super thoughtful that's super generous I just have a hard time you know imagining being in those shoes suddenly just turning your frown upside down as it were and just suddenly like dancing and turning up with your friends but I guess when vibes comes on then it kind of does kind of have make make some of those things go away a little bit so I hope they still had fun. You're still listening to I'm Open. Follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod and let us know what you want to hear about on the next episode. Enjoy the rest of the show. So we all won the Super Bowl. Congratulations to Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas. Congratulations to I mean I'm not saying not. I'm no no beef against Kansas, but that's just where where um, Kansas City, Missouri is that is the state and the team that that won the Super Bowl. Congratulations to Pat Mahomes, the young legend. Already a Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP and a league MVP the man's not even 25 years old yet. And you know what that means? Yes, he is very wealthy and he is very famous, but it also means that he's going to Disney World. Yes, that is right. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's great. Why do I need to know that? Or you also might be thinking to yourself, well, he is a 25-year-old man. I'm glad he wants to go to Disney World, but wouldn't he maybe like to go to... Turks and Caicos, or the Bahamas, or Ibiza, or something like that. Wouldn't those be maybe more appropriate places for him to go considering his age? But no, every year since Phil Simms of my New York Giants was the first to do so in 1987, every year, Disney pays the Super Bowl MVP, whoever it might be, to say, I'm going to Disney World. And then, actually to go and they have like a whole big Super Bowl championship parade starring the MVP where they're like the uh, maid of honor or, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like they're like the princess of the parade. They're like, you know what I'm talking about. They're like the prom queen of the parade. I'm not... I. Uh, the Mission of Arms, or I, I'm missing the name. It's some sort of a, a commander-in-chief of the parade. You know what I'm talking about. That's their thing at the parade. They get to be the, the conductor of the parade. And it's fun, but um I don't know. It just always seems a little... That's another kind of weird thing to me with the Super Bowl. I would want to go to, you know, any of the aforementioned places. Maybe go with your family. Maybe go with a romantic partner. Or maybe go with your buddies to... To a beach somewhere, somewhere tropical, uh, somewhere where you don't have to be surrounded by a bunch of screaming children that want your autograph. Uh, those would be places where I would choose to go. And look, there's a obviously there's a whole connection here. I mean, at this point, Disney is a, one of the largest corporations in the world. They own ABC. They also own ESPN. Now, the Super Bowl is not on ESPN, but and was not on ABC this year but you know obviously those are very those those organizations are very interested in the sports world and very invested in the sports world so you know it kind of does add up and make sense that disney would want to have a connection to the super bowl champion and it's kind of now a phrase i mean where pat mahomes he in 1987 was not born yet right? So he has grown up his whole life. Every single year, he sees the Super Bowl MVP, the Super Bowl champion, say, I'm going to Disney World. So he even said when he got up on that stage, he's been dreaming his whole life just to say that phrase, I'm going to Disney World. But you know, Pat, you could have gone to Disney World at any other time. You could have said that out loud. I'm going to Disney World. And he could have gone. And what would have happened would have been, you maybe would have had a miserable time, Because that's exactly what I did when I went to Disney World. And I I didn't really say I'm going to Disney World. I think it was more my parents said, we're going to Disney World. And I said, no, okay, cool. Sounds good. Let me know when to go because I'm a child and you make my travel plans for me. And I will get my things together, right? So I went down and I was a kid at the time and I still didn't have that much fun, right? It was a little overwhelming. It's very hot. There's a lot of people. You have to wait in lines for everything. You obviously know, and I hate to spoil if this is a spoiler alert, but you obviously know that all of the different animals and sort of people dressed up as like Daffy Duck and Goofy and all of these are fake. So I really hate to burst your bubble to anybody, big Disney guys, but none of these are real. So... It's like take you're okay, so you get to take pictures with a bunch of random people in cartoon costumes. I mean, you can go to Comic Con for that. You don't need to go all the way to to Disney for that. And then water's about nine dollars. Not only you know, a lot of times if you're at Disney, not only are you at Disney all day, you're also staying at a Disney hotel. So even when you go back home to rest you still can't avoid it. They're still trying to sell you on the Peter Pan Disney Swamp Cruise or, or whatever it might be. So it's really surrounding you at all times. Even if you're going out to dinner, you know, you're going to Mulan's Asian Bistro, right? Or Ratatouille's, you know, Linguini Shop, right? So you can't avoid it no matter where you go. And I don't know. I just think there's better there's better vacations. There's cooler vacations. If you really like rides and junk food, I understand. It's a good place to eat junk food if you don't mind the cost of it. Um, and it is a good place to go on rides, but I'm not really a rides guy myself. And there's I mean there's other places to go on rides too, but I'm just not really a rides guy. And maybe that's really why. But if I was MVP, I wouldn't want to go to Disney World. I just wouldn't. I guess if if the money talks, if the money's right, if the bag is right, I would accept and go, I guess, just get the snacks and do the little parade. Be the be the parade guy. But I, it doesn't sound that exciting to me. and It's a little weird as a grown man. Like, it does seem like somebody else could maybe come in. Maybe like Bellagio or MGM Grand or something. I mean, somebody else, a casino, why wouldn't you want to go to Vegas? Or you could say, hey, I'm going on a carnival cruise. I guess that's kind of just like Disney World on the water and then you really are trapped but I feel like there could be more age-appropriate destinations for the Super Bowl MVPs but I'm sure Pat Mahomes is having fun in Disney World and I'm sure he's excited to go there. Somebody else who's excited to go to Florida right now is Andre Iguodala. Iggy as he's called as many call him he was a member of the Warriors Championship run their mini dynasty that they just had. He even won Super Bowl <clears throat> excuse me, i won on the Super Bowl uh, mindset here. He even won NBA Finals MVP and the Warriors' first championship for his role in locking up LeBron James. And nobody locked up LeBron James. That one was a little bit overblown, but he did a great job matching up with him and making his life difficult. And he was a key, key part, key contributor to that Warriors' run over the five-year span. And this offseason, sadly enough for Andre, The Warriors uh, traded him to Memphis. They shipped him out of town. But the story doesn't end there because Andre, he was not interested in playing for Memphis. And this is a weird thing about sports that we talk about all the time. And these guys have so much power and influence and everybody knows them. They're famous. They can go anywhere they want. They They can vacation anywhere they want, right? They can really basically do whatever they want except for work where they want that's the one thing they can't really do and this is always a back and forth i mean it's hard right if everybody just got to choose where they played i mean we would have like 200 guys on the lakers and warriors and all the other teams would be like fighting for guys you know in in the g league and minor leagues so i i don't think we can fully go to that system But at the same time, you do need a certain amount of autonomy. Like if somebody just traded me to a different podcast, I might be a little ticked off about it. I might not be excited to just go into that podcast because that's not my podcast. You should have a certain amount of ownership over your life and over your career so I can understand why somebody like Andre, who's been in the league for a long time, he's 36 years old. He's been in the... Not that that's old, but for for NBA... He's been in the league since 2004, right? So this is his 16th season. Like, he he feels like at this point, what do I have to prove? Why do I have to go somewhere other people want me to go that I don't want to go? That's not what I want to do. I'm a grown-ass man. And he basically said, and he called the Grizzlies bluff. He basically said, look, I'm just going to retire, but I don't want to play for you guys. I don't want to play in Memphis. So... The season has been going on. We're over halfway through the NBA season. And for most of the season, Andre, he was nowhere to be seen in Memphis. He wasn't around the team. He wasn't around the city. And he really had no interest in playing for the Memphis Grizzlies whatsoever. And... At first, that seemed understandable. The team was supposed to stink. They had a lot of young guys. He's probably Andre's not known for he's he's a super super smart smart guy, but he's not known known for being the most patient gentleman. So I think he was just like I'm not playing with all these young 22, 23 year old guys. They just drafted John ja Morant, who's awesome, but is still only about 20 years old. He's like, look, I I'm used to playing with Steph and Clay and Trey, KD. Sean Livingston, all these guys on the Warriors who cut and pass and weave and move without the ball. I don't want to play with all these young cats who are still just learning how to play in the NBA. But it actually turned out that the Grizzlies aren't so bad after all. They've been having a really surprisingly great season, considering that a lot of people thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And when asked about Andre, because this has been a dark cloud hanging over the team, the whole season. You've got a super talented guy, an NBA veteran over 15 years in the league, an NBA champion, who you would think that this guy would be the perfect teammate to instill winning, to instill a positive culture and worth work ethic with his young teammates. But he wasn't interested in doing that. He's not thinking about his teammates. He's thinking about Andre, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We're all allowed to be selfish sometimes in life and look out for ourselves. And it seemed like he was just like, I am not interested in being a mentor right now. I'm not interested in helping these young guns get their legs under him right now. I don't care about them. I care about me. And yeah, it is a little selfish when you say it outside, you know, just say it out loud like that. But you can't really, really blame him for thinking about him first, because at the end of the day, it's his life. He knows he probably only has one or two NBA seasons left. He's already starting to slow down a little, but he's definitely not the athlete or player he was, so I think he knows, look, i got to use my leverage where i got it because I don't have that much time left as a professional hooper. This whole situation began to escalate when Dylan Brooks, a young Canadian gentleman on the Grizzlies, uh, he was a star at Oregon, and back when he was in college, famously Coach K of the Duke Blue Devils scolded him for being too happy when Oregon knocked Duke out of the Final Four, I believe, or might have been Elite Eight. Um, And that was one of his big moments when Coach K was scolding him for being so happy about winning um, against Duke. And now, Dylan, he is not holding back, and he has some pretty harsh words for, for Andre. When they asked Dylan if he wanted to see Andre come back around the team, this is what Dylan said. He said, I can't wait Till we find a way to trade him so we can play him and show him what Memphis is really all about. And look, I think Andre would have agreed. I can't wait till you guys trade me too because I already told you guys I'm not trying to play here. But I love that tough mentality. Now, I used to love the Grizzlies growing up because they had Tony Allen. They had Zach Randolph. They had guys who would fight you. They had guys who would have no skin left on their elbows by the end of the game because they would be diving on the floor left and right. These guys needed to show up to games in knee pads. I mean... These guys would scrap and scrap, and I love how these new young guys in Memphis are sort of adapting that scrappy mentality, we can't wait till you get Andre out of here so we can go kick his fucking ass and show him what he's been missing. That's the that's the tone I got from Dylan Brooks. This is more of what Dylan said. First time I seen him was talking on TV about us. It doesn't even matter. Andre Iguodala is a great player. I feel like he's doing the right thing on his career but we don't really care. It's not a distraction at all. I laugh at all that type of stuff. A guy that's on our team that doesn't want to be on our team, I can't wait till we find a way to trade him so we can play him and show what Memphis is really about. So that leads into the quote I read before. I mean, he wasn't saying Andre is trash. He wasn't saying like I'm way better than him, but I can agree. I can see where he's coming from. I can see at the beginning of the season where like, look, these guys are young. These guys are unproven. Then once they really start to play well, I mean, as of now, they are in contention for the playoffs, which nobody believed would happen. Nobody expected. And imagine if Andre would have been there with them the whole time. I mean, they could really be a, a playoff team, a frisky little team, maybe to get knocked out second round of the playoffs, first round of the playoffs. But I think obviously Andre has championship aspirations. But that wasn't where it stopped. So John Morant, he agreed with what Dylan had to say. He supported and re- reposted or liked his his opinions there on social media. And he has been awesome. There's a, he's a chance to be Rookie of the Year. It's going to be a battle between him and Zion here to, for the rest of the season. But Ja has been an awesome, awesome young player. Super fun to watch. And he was the number two overall pick in the draft this past year, this past summer. So then it all begins to escalate because... Ja sort of doubles down on Dylan's opinions here and says, yeah, I agree. We're going to kick this guy's ass as soon as he gets somewhere else. So then the drama builds because Steph Curry, he's buddies with Andre. They both love to golf. They golfed together all the time when they were living out in the Bay. They've been through battles together, won several championships, won hundreds of games together. So that's his guy. So Steph, he had to chime in on this whole Andre talk and he posted a picture of Andre holding the trophy from when he was with the Warriors and a little shush emoji, the shush your mouth emoji. In response to... Ja Morant's retweeting support of Dylan Brooks's comments, you know, and the sentiments of the Grizzlies. So Steph posts this this photo of Andre smiling, holding the trophy with the shush emoji, basically saying, you know, don't talk trash about a legend. And my friend and Ja came right back by posting his own shush emoji with a photo of Kevin Durant holding the Finals MVP trophy. I guess at a dig like. Well, how come this guy left you guys? So this really escalated quickly. One of the obviously best players and most recognizable players in the game, trading barbs, trading shots at one of the best young players in the game, one of the future stars of the game, potential rookie of the year. They both play the same position, point guard. And I really love Jaws tactics. And what he did here to squash this beef really made me think this guy is going to be awesome. Because sometimes people make a move. Look, you can already tell he's going to be awesome when you watch him. But a lot of it is that off the court, sometimes, are they playing checkers or are they playing chess? Are they thinking two steps ahead or are they just reacting to what they see right in front of them? And Ja, he was thinking so many steps ahead because before any all the Curry fans out there, of which there are many. I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong with being a Steph Curry fan. He's fucking awesome. But I think Ja knew. Look, I've got a lot of fans. I'm John Morant. People like me a lot. People think I'm cool. Not quite as many as Steph Curry, though. I'm not on his level. So you know what happens on Twitter when you fight with somebody? All their people who are obsessed with them start coming after you. Start going through all your old photos and pulling up a photo of when you looked silly and had a bad haircut in the seventh grade and suddenly you're cooked. So Ja, before anybody had a chance to do all this stuff, He went back through all of his own old tweets, and he started reposting and retweeting his own tweets shouting out Steph Curry, basically saying, look, I know you guys are are are, going to come back and show me that I love Steph Curry. I do. This is exactly what I said, and I love it. This shows his mentality, the mentality of a killer, and this shows why he's playing chess, not checkers. He said, LOL, delete it for what? If you scroll down my Twitter, you'll see me talking about Curry a lot. Probably some other players, too. I was a fan and still a fan, but I'm not scared of him. That is, yeah, that's awesome. I love to hear that. You shouldn't be scared of him. Of course, I mean, John Morant, he's been growing up cheering for Steph Curry. He loved Steph Curry. In 2015, he tweeted, Curry got a ring, hashtag, oh yeah, 100. Ring emoji, 100 emoji. Uh, in 2016, March. Already know Curry going for forty plus tonight. It's his birthday. Muscles emoji. Uh, February twenty sixteen. Curry is ridiculous. LOL emoji. I mean, he he loves Curry. He's not scared to admit he loves Curry. He's clearly a a, a big fan. But he's showing him right now. I'm not scared of you, dude. We're gonna be battling in the league for the next ten years. Whoever knows how how long Steph's gonna be able to keep playing. But Jaws like, look, dude, I got next. And we're going to be battling in the Western Conference for years to come. I respect you. I look up to your game. I'm not scared of you. So you have to love the way he both went back after Steph Curry and admitted, look, I love Steph. I grew up rooting for Steph. Just because these little Twitter barbs back and forth doesn't mean I suddenly hate Steph or think he's bad. And... Apparently, the two guys have come together outside of the public eye. They either had a call or or texted or something. They messaged each other back and forth or privately discussed this matter and were able to squash it. And I'm sure what Ja told him, basically, what he tweeted, it seems like Ja's really wearing his emotions and wearing his feelings on his sleeve. Yeah, he loves Steph. He grew up rooting for Steph and he thinks Steph is awesome, but that doesn't mean he's going to bow down to him and be scared of him. And you know what? Being a good leader is standing up for your teammates. And when somebody, and that somebody in this case was Andre Iguodala, basically saying, I don't think you guys are good enough that I don't even want to play with you. I'm not even coming to Memphis. I'm not interested And As Dylan Brooks said, he wasn't even coming to practice. He wasn't even working out with the guys. They said the only time they ever saw him was on TV. So that hurts. That stings. That's a rejection from somebody you look you look up to. So Ja, as the young leader of this team, what do you do? You stand up for your guys. You stand up for your circle and you say, you know what? You guys don't think these guys are good enough? Well, I think they're good enough. And the next time we match up with you, I'm going to kick your ass. And I'll show you why this is my team. So yeah, maybe people outside of the Grizzlies organization are trashing Ja for this one. Maybe they think that he shouldn't be talking mess mess to Steph Curry, a multiple MVP, when he's just barely gotten a league. Maybe they think he shouldn't be talking mess to Andre, a finals MVP, a multiple all-star, a long, long career veteran in the NBA. But this is standing up for his team. This is standing up for his guys. And I'm sure the people that matter... Those guys are with it 100%. The guys inside that Memphis organization, inside that locker room, inside that building, I'm sure they love Ja for this one. I'm sure they are really excited to go into battle behind a guy who will stand up for them publicly like this. And like you said, he's not scared of Steph Curry. He's not scared of anybody. Hey, 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 I'm Open Family. You know that before we go, there's something we have to do every single time. That is to recognize our mask off performer of the week. That goes to somebody who has taken their mask off and revealed something new about themselves. Doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be bad. It just has to be revealing. This segment is a shout out to Future. Future, thank you so much. Mask on. Fuck it, mask off. Mask on. Dog. Fuck it, mask off. This week, our Mask Off Award goes to the Slim Reaper, the Durantula, Kevin Durant, KD. Now, you might be wondering and saying, this guy's not even playing this season. Why did he take his mask off? The fact that he tore his knee up? The fact that he left the Warriors? What could he have possibly revealed while well, he's not been playing? Well, KD made an appearance On All The Smoke podcast, shout out to those guys, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. They keep it real every single time. They have great guests. And I really enjoy listening to their podcast. You know, I'm not, there's there's enough room for all of us out here in the podcast world. So I support those guys. They're awesome. And I was surprised to hear as I was listening to their most recent episode with Kevin Durant. They were asking him about his whole Burners situation. Now, for anybody in the I Am Open family who does not know... When we talk about burners, okay, traditionally what a burner was, was a phone that you buy and then just use until it runs out of minutes basically. Like a phone, you could just buy it like a corner store. Now when we talk about burners, we actually talk about burner accounts, Twitter accounts mostly, where you create an account but it's anonymous, nobody really knows it's you and then eventually when you're done using it, similar to a burner phone, you just delete it and start a new account. So basically, as with the phones, originally when you wanted to send messages that you didn't really want people to have tracked back to you or make calls that you didn't want to be tracked back to you, that's a kind of similar idea with these burner accounts on on Twitter. So, we've had a couple interesting NBA burner moments. About a year ago, Jerry Colangelo, it uh, it was revealed that his wife, I guess, allegedly created burner accounts to defend Jerry Colangelo. Uh, vehemently throughout social media and especially say that he looked handsome his collars didn't look ridiculously large which they did and that he was making good personnel moves which uh, is yet to be seen but it, the process hasn't processed out yet um so so far after he was supposed to come in and save the work that uh, Sam Hinkey did and before the whole Calangelo Burner story came out we had another story with Kevin Durant where a lot of people were criticizing him, obviously. He's no stranger to criticism. He was faced a lot of criticism when he left Oklahoma City to join the Warriors and he faced criticism again when he left the Warriors to join the Brooklyn Nets. So he's no stranger to criticism and he created some burner accounts to sort of defend himself online. And they were asking him about that, asking him why he did that and his thought process behind it. And he actually admitted that he still has burners today. And here's the actual quote of what he said on the show, All the Smoke, with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. He said, I'm still going to do the burner thing. There's some shit where you've just got to be like, these folks are always going to figure out a way. Certain people, I'm going to come back on my regular account. But if I'm just trying to do my thing, dip in, I got the burners. I just slipped up that one time. And you know why I slipped up. Now, I'm not totally sure why he slipped up. But I guess he's got the relationship with Matt Barnes, with Steven Jackson. They have an idea why he slipped up. Um, But I think that's funny to admit. He still got him. So now I'm sure there's people out there right now on Twitter scouring through different tweets, looking for the KD hashtag, looking for different snake hashtags, and seeing if KD is posted on there, seeing if which ones are his secret accounts. I think it's really funny that he admitted... He's still got the burners, and I kind of respect it. Um, You know, we're allowed to say whatever we want on social media, basically. People say some crazy shit on social media, people post some crazy videos, and if he wants to respond, I don't really see why it's a huge issue. I think at this point, we all know KD is sensitive, and that's okay. Not every superstar has to be stoic. Not every athlete has to pretend like they don't have emotions and people react in different ways we've gotten in a way spoiled by lebron james who seems like he has taken so much criticism and to the people saying what lebron james took criticism go back and read your own tweets from seven years ago when he went to miami you calling him a traitor and a snake and all these things so even lebron james has taken so much criticism But he has just remained stoic the whole time, rarely responded. He did kind of lean into the villain role a little bit when he was in Miami there for a moment, and then everybody just immediately switched sides and pretended like they had been loving him the whole time and unburned their jerseys when he went back to Cleveland. But we don't really need to get into that right now. But the point is that not every professional athlete can be as stoic as LeBron James, and they shouldn't have to be, right? Kevin Durant, he's a sensitive guy. Sometimes his feelings get hurt. When people say mean things about him, and that's okay, all right? Just because he's really good at basketball doesn't mean he's not allowed to be sensitive. Humans are complicated. We all are complex. We have different things that push our buttons. We have different things that hurt our feelings, and that is natural. So, I mean, should he – some people might argue, you know, should KD just be responding directly? just write it with your own say it with your chest type it with your own freaking keyboard and just say it with your own account I guess so but that would just kind of start more drama that would just stir up more drama so if he really feels like this is a way to kind of just get his anxiety out just shoot a little tweet back off nobody knows it's just like a little egg emoji nobody really knows it's him I don't really see what the huge issue is with it I mean I honestly I'm kind of I'm happy for him. I'm happy he said it out loud. I think it's funny. Now people are going to be going on a wild goose chase looking for his burners. And who knows? Maybe he's just messing with you guys. Maybe he doesn't have any. But I do kind of think he does. And and I'm happy for him. I don't have a problem. If that's what he needs to do to get something off his chest, I don't really feel like there's a huge issue. I don't. I think people get to talk shit on the internet all day, every day. People say stuff that they can take down, that they regret later, post pictures, felt cute, might delete later, never mind, I hate that haircut. People do that type of stuff all the time. So let's not pretend and let's stop trying to act like athletes and public figures are not people, are not human beings who sometimes feel sad, sometimes feel discouraged, sometimes feel hurt when people talk shit about them. And I'll stand up and defend KD all day did he maybe do some things the wrong way did he take some things to heart that you know just just let the words bounce off you and just don't take them serious and don't worry about what other people think about you you could say that but I mean we have to all remember professional athletes get drafted to their team or traded to a team as we were talking about with Andre Iguodala earlier So, if you had gotten drafted into your job, and I'm not going to name drop a city or a state where you got sent to because I love them all, but if you got drafted into a random job or traded to a different job in a different state, you might be kind of pissed. And you, as a free-willed, independent human being, might consider like, hey, you know what I'd like to do is make a choice for myself to live where I'd like to live. That's a novel idea. I would like to work at the job that I want to work at, and I would like to live in the city that I would like to live in. That is a luxury that most people have, and that Kevin Durant didn't have at the time. He grew up in the D.C. area. He went to college in Austin, a really cool city in Texas, and he gets drafted to Oklahoma City. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Oklahoma City, but he lived there for like eight or nine years, and eventually, people like to try new things. People like to live different places, and he... Was ready to try a new workplace culture, to have some new co-workers, to live in San Francisco. Clearly, he's a city boy because he first went to, to Oakland, to the Bay, and now he's back in New York, in Brooklyn. So, that's free will, right? That's people making decisions for their own life. And I know why he's hurt, people talking shit about him, people saying he's some sort of a coward, some sort of a snake, just because he made a decision to make himself happy. And we should all have that opportunity to make a decision to make ourselves happy. And we should do that. Sometimes you have to be a little bit selfish. Sometimes when you're choosing your job, you're not considering the entire state of Oklahoma and how they will react if you quit your job or if you apply to a different job. And you shouldn't have to. No no offense to Oklahoma. You guys are doing great stuff out there. But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's life, right? That's life for professional athletes. People feel like you owe them something. People feel like they, in a sense, belong to you, belong to that state because they cheered for you and bought your jersey. You're never allowed to leave them and you have to love them. But you have to remember, they don't really know you. You just love them because they're good at basketball. If they weren't good at basketball, if KD sucked at basketball, nobody would have been mad. And I know that's obvious. But this all goes to say, I love that he has the burners. I love it. I'm happy he has the burners. I think it's really funny. I hope it's true. I hope he has like 20 burners. And I hope he keeps having them until he doesn't feel like he needs – them. because if this is just a little thing that he needs to do to get that anxiety off his chest, to just make him feel better about all the mean things that people are saying about him, really unnecessarily and really without knowing his character, without knowing him personally, if he just needs to shoot off a little fuck you, hashtag fuck you twice, then that's okay. I don't really see what the huge issue is with it. I mean – Yeah, we hold our public figures to a high standard and and maybe we sometimes hold them to a little bit of a too high standard. Have you ever made a decision that disappointed anybody? Have you ever let anybody down? I bet you have. So have I. But that doesn't mean you should be harassed on social media for the next 10 years of your life. So, Katie, thank you for having the bravery to admit that you got the burners. Keep burning it up out there. Keep subtweeting people and going at, yeah, going at them if it makes them feel better. You're a person, too. You're allowed to use the Internet just like everybody else. You're allowed to have free speech just like everybody else. And, of course, we can't wait to see you back on the court so you can actually shut these people up with your game and don't have to just do it with your Twitter fingers. Thanks again for listening to I'm Open. Everybody, have a great night and don't forget to stay open.